You're listening to Album Swap, a podcast about sharing music with your friends. Welcome to episode 10, Numero Dez. Numero Dez, <laughs> one zero. A decade in years, if it were years. In podcast years? In podcast years, we're, in a, we're a whole decade old today. So, Fred, can you believe it? We started with widespread panic, street dogs, street and dogs, yeah. ELO, a new world record. New world in record. Episode one, and, and here we are now. Here we are, episode 10, with a couple new albums to swap. That's right. So, this week, I gave you Faith No More's 1992 release, Angel Dust. Yeah. The, the modern masterpiece, as I like to call it. Yeah, well, you're a huge fan. <laughs> you're a huge fan. I've been anticipating getting a Faith No More album at some point, so. Um, was excited to get it. It was a great album. Um, I'm excited to uh, talk about it a little bit later. I gave you, so, so this was interesting, with it being episode 10. I mean, I I can kind of sense from your pick that, you know, the moment isn't lost on you, right? You chose Faith No More at episode 10, kind of a momentous pick. That's right. I saved it up for a big... Exactly. So I am giving, uh, the band's name is Haim, H-A-I-M, and the album's called uh, Days Are Gone. This is their debut album. They actually have uh, their second album's coming out, oh, I think July 7th. It's coming out soon. They've released a couple tracks on it. They are all awesome. Some better than others. <laughs> um, but they're all great. I don't even know how I got into them. But just fell in love with them on a lot of different levels. Their music's great. Um, I was telling a friend that I was kind of nervous about swapping this because now I'm admitting that I like pop music, I guess. Pop. <laughs> even though this isn't like, this isn't, this isn't the pop music that you hate, you know. This is this is the high high music quality pop music, right? It's pop music because of the radio stations that play it, and it definitely has those elements. But it's so well done, like so on a lot of different levels. Fell in love with Heim. Was super excited to swap this one, and felt like episode ten was a great opportunity to really drop that one off on you. All right, so those are the two albums we're swapping this week. Uh, I want to remind you as well, we've been updating the playlist on Spotify of our best of from each episode. The songs we picked from this episode will kind of conclude that list, and we'll start a new list with the next episode of episode 11. Check us out on your favorite streaming device, iTunes, Google Play, all the other ones. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Stitcher. Stitcher. TuneIn Radio. TuneIn Radio. There you go. There you go. Subscribe uh, on iTunes. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. <laughs> And uh, as, you, as always, we have uh, both these albums on the website, on the album episode list, where we have the full podcast episode as well as both albums for you to enjoy and check out on your own. Yeah, you don't even have to find the albums. We're even giving you access to the albums itself. Uh, I also hope everybody's been enjoying and been sharing out some tidbits from the latest episodes uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so I hope you're checking that out, enjoying it. Let us know anything you like. Anything don't you like. don't like, yeah, definitely yeah. definitely let us the things you don't like. Yeah. Tell your friends about the things you do like. Tell us about the things you don't like. There you go. <laughs> we're going to come right back, and we're going to review Heim first, right? I think we are. Right. Days are gone when, when we get back. You've been listening to Album Swap at albumswap.net. We will be right back. And we are back with Haim, spelled H-A-I-M, all caps, with Days Are Gone, 
The album was put out in September of 2013 by Haim, which consists of three sisters from the San Fernando Valley that have been performing together for the majority of their lives. They learned a lot of their music from classic rock. And the three sisters that make up Haim are... Esty, playing bass. Playing bass. She's known for her bass face. Bass face. Danielle on guitars and lead vocals. Yep. Alana on guitars and keyboards. That is correct. And And that was also in the correct age order as well. Esty is the oldest in line with you guys. Yeah. Yep. And now on, they, they have a drummer. They do. Right. Dash. Dash Hutton. Yep. Fun fact about Dash. What's the fun fact about Dash? His dad is uh, one of the original members of Three Dog Night. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That is a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Just I mean, reach him back with that. Fantastic. Love Three Dog Night. Love Three Dog Night as well. Big fan. All right. So they've been active since about 2007. They come from a musical family. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. They kind of had a cover band called Rockingham. They learned from their parents and like the you, classic rock. Getting their name in there, Rocking, Rockingham, right? Rockingham. Oh, Rockingham. Before the play but, on Rockingham. Yeah, see, I would say Rockingham because right. that's the way we pronounce it here in North Carolina. In North Carolina where we have a Rockingham. Rockingham. Right, I got, I got you. They were playing like benefit shows like churches and... Uh, the kind of stuff you play with your kids. Schools. Well, I'm saying as far as the, the, this cover band that they have. And I, I saw some of the songs they said they played. They played, like, the Beatles get back. I mean, that's awesome. Billy Joel, you may be right. Love that song. And Van Morrison, Brown Eyed Girl, which, you know, a classic. Classic, classic yeah. track. And then they were in this band called the Valley Girls, uh, which they got some soundtrack work. Sure. Got a little bit more famous before putting out this album. Yeah, and, and Valley Girls, was that was it wasn't Disney or Nickelodeon, but it was kind of in that same uh, yeah, era, I guess. Teeny yeah, like bop, the teeny yeah. bop, but it was it was almost like they were uh, I guess I don't know if they were recruited, but they were put together to to appeal to that like teeny bop Nickelodeon crowd. And I don't know if Alana was in it. I think it was just the two oldest, Esty and yes, Daniel. Right. Yeah, just the two oldest um, were in it. And that's that's some pretty crazy stuff. Google that and look at those pictures, see how much they've changed. Definitely. Transforming from a teenager to adult is but but, e- but even like when you're dressed up as a teeny bop, like oh, yeah, almost yeah. a fake band, it's almost a prop up. Band, yeah, you know what I mean. And they're actually more dancing singers. than singing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, again, we said musical parents. So their mother, Donna. I love this. The fun fact about her was that she won a contest on the Gong Show, the original right. Gong Show. Yep. Uh, I have not watched the new Gong Show. My son wants me to watch it. I kind of... I haven't either. I, I kind of don't want to watch it just because I, I watched the Gong Show growing up and loved it. It was so silly and fun um, that everything now... I don't know. I guess it's, it's going to be updated in contemporary. You just hate nowadays. That's the problem. Not so much nowadays. Get, it's just, just, just... Well, and... Just get and, off my lawn, kids. No, not, not only that, <laughs> it's, it's hard to replace Chuck Bears. He was, sure, sure, he sure, was sure. like such a... I remember as a kid, I thought he was like a terrible host at first, then you kind of got his whole shit. Right. Um, anyway... I digress. Uh, so she she has some talent singing. The father, like we said, he's Israeli born. Uh, his name is Mordecai, or Modi for short. It's a strong name. Great name. I love it. I love strong. old biblical names like that. He was actually a pro soccer player, and what, Super cool. what you'll love, he's a drummer. I mean, so there you go. Drummers are the coolest. <laughs> Fact, it's in like science books. So, like we said, they listened to their parents' classical rock albums. They, you know, kind of had this little cover band. Danielle became a bit successful as a touring guitarist, and you said drummer as well for yeah. Julian Casablanca. Yeah, played, played drums for Julian Casablanca. I don't, I don't know if she was playing with the Strokes lineup, but it was, yeah, 
she was playing with Julian Julian Casablanca, who's uh, I guess side project probably. So and she's uh, good. Yeah, it wasn't with the Strokes. It was, and she's yeah, good a, as yeah. a drummer. I've, I've seen some of the clips. Like she's a, she's like she plays guitar and is lead singer in this band. She can straight up hold her own on the uh, on the kit. So after those, after the Valley Girls and and her stint with uh, Casablanca, I saw that they actually they went back to school for a while. They did some different kind of education is uh, important, Brian. Yeah, self self improvement, you know. And then so they reformed as a band in 2012, and they had an EP uh, called Forever, and it got really good reception at like South by Southwest Festival. It led to a deal eventually with Polydor. And then Jay Z signed him on for management, which you know that's pretty strong. It's got Jay Z. I've heard his name. Yeah, a uh, little known rapper. Yeah. Oh, he's a rapper. <laughs> I was thinking mandolin player, but rapper. He yes. Is. Yes. So after that, they went back and they spent a year recording this album. They said they wanted to move to contemporary R and B and pop sound on on what they're doing. You definitely get shades of that for sure. They did some time as well as opening act from the EP. They, they, they got the drummer, as we said, Dash joined as the drummer. They actually went to the UK and toured as well. Yeah, they're really big over there. Like, they love yeah. playing in Europe, and Europe loves them. Like, loves them. Yeah, I saw, like, they played, like, Glastonbury Festival yeah. and several sets with different people. And yeah, such, and they'll so. mention that. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of their videos, and whenever they're over in Europe, there's a there's almost like a different kind of excitement in their voices. You know what I mean? Like, because the crowds there just are bananas over. You, you go where the fans scream the loudest, right? Those crazy Brits. Those crazy. <laughs> so they did all that. They they came back. They spent a year recording. One of the interesting musical notes was how they started actually using GarageBand to do the drum parts. Which is actually what, Very cool. what we're recording this podcast on now. No but they just, yeah, they just went into GarageBand, you know, whipped out the Mac, started laying some beats, and then the producers kind of came in and, and recommended that they use some synthesizers and use gated reverb, which is a technique that Phil Collins is very popular. So I thought that was kind of interesting for it all together. So, like you said, this album actually, I think it hit number one in the UK, performed fairly well, made like top best of list. I think it was like yeah. number 13 for best album of for the year. year. Yeah, Pitchfork's got him as one of the 100 best albums of the decade. So, already. Already. Yeah. There you go. Already recognized. And I'd place. seen them actually, as I was telling you, I saw them, I guess, perform on Saturday Night Live just right. about a month ago yeah. on the season finale with The Rock. With The Rock, that's right. <laughs> And I didn't know who they were, and I have to admit, like, when you sent me the name, and I saw it, at first I didn't know if it was, like, a rap band, maybe, like, with the all caps. Sure. And then it clicked in the back of my head. I was like, no, that's right. That's that chick band I saw on Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago. So I had seen them perform on Saturday Night Live, but I have to tell you, when I saw them perform on Saturday Night Live, I had no idea who they were. I had not heard any of their songs. Right. So And and now you have that. Now you've been properly educated in in the hind. In the hind. Telling you, man, I love love this band. Love this band. Let's start the love affair, Fred. Oh, man, let's continue the love affair because I'm telling you, Brian, it had already started. Dig right <laughs> in. Dig, dig right into these tracks. Let's dig into it. Yeah. So, what's the first track? First track is falling. I like the uh, the intro kind of thump, and I was listening to some of their commentary about this, and they said they wanted to make it sound like Jurassic Park, like the beginning of Jurassic Park. Oh wow, it definitely has that. It yeah. definitely has that feel. Now that you mentioned that. Uh, I like how it really kind of builds the, the kind of layered vocals, um, the sound. And I think they do this throughout the album. They, they, they've got tremendous three-part harmony. They're very in tune with where each other is because they've been playing with each other their whole lives. Um, that helps. Yeah, yeah. And so and it, and it pays off. 
I think they they definitely build towards the end of the song and get stronger as the song progresses. Yeah, I love the breakdown, like in the chorus. It just has a such a fun little bump to it, you know. Uh, this also has a great video to it as well. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll very share that. Out. Check it out. Ask Google where it's at, <laughs> or get it off our Twitter feed. You can get it off our Twitter feed. Better source. Better. There you go. There you go. So <laughs> number two, forever. The drums at the beginning of this kind of remind me a little bit of Bang a Gong. Okay, yeah. You know, and you can tell they're synth, I think. I don't think the drummer actually played on this album. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, on the actual, like, recording of the album. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's playing yeah. it on the tour now. When they play live. And he's a he, part of the band, yeah. Yeah, and he's been in, he's in, like, some of their videos, I think. But, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right when it comes down to the recording of it. For synthetic drums, they pull, all, they pull it off pretty good. Mixes well with, again, the pop sound they have. They just have a really good ear. I think all of them, like, when you, when you have a band full of talented artists that have that ear, then, you know what I mean? They can, they can work it in and, and make it, make it sound quality like this is, you know, you just know where things are supposed to go. And this is another one that I think the guitar at the end of the song gets, gets really cool. Yeah. Has a nice sound. So check a little bit of that out. Say the word, then I'll say goodbye. Whatever I say, you and me, you're 
So that brings us to track three, The Wire. Mm. Not uh, the show. Not, not the show. The wire. And I did think shows. that at first, just because it's so it's synonymous. Good, and it's a great yeah. show. This, I thought, the beginning sounds a lot like The Eagles' Heartache Tonight. Which yeah, is cool. Sure, okay. The vocals, the chorus, and the sound that they have at that point in the song yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite tracks on the album. And this video is one of the better ones that they do. One of the... Uh, I guess comedians, artists uh, in the Lonely Island, Andy Samberg's group is actually one of the actors in this. Jorma is his name. He was in Hot Rod and movies like. So there is a little bit of pop culture ness to that one as well. So that's the wire again. I think yeah, great, great guitar sound. I hear the Eagles parts as you're talking about. Yeah, 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 on the drums for sure. It's another fun one. This whole album, I'm telling you, like you could play, you could start this album from the start with like a party, or if you're at the pool, you know what I mean. Like it's such a fun like party kind of feel album. It's just it's, it's upbeat. Three songs in, and I'm having my own party. So then comes to number four. If I could change your mind, another one of my favorite tracks on the album, and another great video. This song, I thought, again, was pretty strong, had good vocals, songwriting was pretty good. So it's even got a little kind of funky guitar there. A little chicness. Little, huh? Yeah, a little Nile. A little Nile Rogers. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great song. And again, the video is a good one. So that brings us to track number five, Honey and I. The beginning, I liked it because it kind of reminded me of like a light 
Jerry Garcia guitar sound. Like, I, I would like love tickling to tickling a little. Bit. I'd love to hear Jerry play guitar over this because there isn't. This is. I mean, it's not acapella, right? Like yeah. there are instruments on it, but it the the vocals really drive and carry the song. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, well, and I think that's what their their sound is. No doubt, totally dependent on that. No doubt. But otherwise, I mean, the the first kind of two thirds of the songs would just be, be kind of like this pop repeat, right? And I think if you had a single singer, they would have to have an incredible voice to pull it off. Because their voices kind of act as another instrument. Oh yeah, oh without question. Which I always, I've always said that that's kind of like the sign of like a great vocalist is whenever that that vocal element is its own, uh, is, is its own instrument. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, and it's almost like three more instruments. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it, it is three more instruments. Yeah. Another thing I love about the song, they use the ampersand in it rather oh, than yeah. spelling out and. You know? There you go. Just thinking, you got to save your characters. Honey and I brings us track number six, Don't Save Me. This, I like the drum machine intro. Really nice kind of bouncy song. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it has another good video with it in it as well. All right, so let's check out a little bit of Don't Save Me. Don't Save Me. So again, another very poppy, upbeat song, up-tempo oh, yeah. song. Telling you, perfect for a pool, man. Perfect <laughs> for a pool. Everybody will be into it. Brings us to track number seven, Days Are Gone. Also the name of the album. Title track. Title track. This I, yeah, it definitely has got a big pop sound yeah. to it. The vocals are, again, amazing. I think the three-part at the end of it is really cool. Really strong, uh, yeah, for sure. It's almost like a, like a not like a... Scat or but it, it it's punctuating. Yeah, no, 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 that's a good way to put it. And I got back up when I lost control.
Number eight, my song five. The number five. Number five. It's not spelled out. I have to tell you, this is probably my favorite song now. So this is one they they ended up getting like a remix with ASAP uh, ASAP Rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ASAP Rocky. So that was um, this this got them into a different scene a little bit as well. Yeah. So do you know kind of how they came up with this title? My I would love five? to know, Brian. I have a, I have a feeling that you know. They said on the uh, commentary that. They had like so many songs, like one through 12, and they just had them numbered. So this was like number five. My song five. There and they didn't really kind of have a title that jumped out or anything. So they just kind of kept that. It's a great track. Yeah, it's a great track. I think the, the intro, the bass, drums, the heavy intro. There's a bit of an edge. I don't, I, so I, I don't mean edge, edge, but this song is a little rougher than the other ones, right? This one's oh, yeah. less poppy than the other ones, right? Yeah, this is like the hardest song by far. This That's is what I said. <laughs> this is the hardest song on the album. Just with, with, we'll say that knowing we're heavy. Sorry, to, and, is, and we're about to go to faith no more. Oh yeah, it's yeah. About this, to go so zero. this is the closest to what you're going to hear in the second it's half. It's about <laughs> to go zero to a hundred. That's right, real quick. <laughs> Vocals on this, I think, are really trippy as well. Very trippy. There's a lot of trippy elements, though, in, the, in this track, or in that track. So that's my song five. Track number nine, Go Slow. This song does go a little slow. This is a really very does. mellow song. It's kind of, you, may, you might even say slow. It's extremely slow. It goes, it, yeah. it goes pretty slow. Yeah. So this, I'll be honest, this is probably like the song I would skip over. Yeah. Just because it's too mellow for me. But if you're getting into it, you can go slow with it. Go slow. So 
brings us to track 10, Let Me Go. Let Me Go. Sounds like somebody used to scream at my brother when we were wrestling as a kid. Yeah, he probably, <laughs> probably did. I, I love the opening line on this where she says, give me a hit. The synthesizers on this is really cool. The uh, the song really builds, and I think the guitar at the end is fantastic. Really dope, really dope. Yeah, no, this is this is a good track, and this, you know, after uh, the whole album is great. I think the whole album is great. It, obviously, most albums have ebbs and uh, ebbs and flows, right? Like a little ups and downs and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a bit of a drop with "Go Slow," and then I think it just picks up and kicks it to finish it with "Let Me Go," and uh, "Running mm-hmm. If You Call My Name" to finish it. So. And and I I agree. I I like. My song five, let me go, and running, kind of best of the tracks. It's a it's a it's a really cool. You almost like coordinated finish, right? Like because it's a real strong finish. Well, and they move a little bit away from the pop sound. Yeah, which was kind of the thing with pop. I guess is like after a while you need a little break. Sure. You know, I'm, I'll be interested to hear what all their solo projects will be sounding like in like ten years. You know what I mean? Not true. That they'll all they'll, obviously they'll always be playing together, but musicians like this, they're going to be doing their own thing. They'll break out and do their solo stuff, or maybe two of them will pair up. But I'm interested to hear that because that'll be like the real music or, or, or the stuff that they want to make, right? Because Heim, Heim makes what Heim needs to make and, and wants to make. But, you know, when they're making their own stuff. Heim's going to do what Heim wants to exactly, do. Exactly. Heim's going to do Heim. But, like, when they're doing their own stuff, it'll be interesting to see what, yeah. that, what that sounds like. All right. So let's check out Let Me Go. Get me a hand. Give me a hand. I give you everything I could give You tried to take it, tried to make it But take all everything you can't break If you go so easily Go on, get out when you leave I will wait, I won't Wait till the day you're back again Let me out, let me in I've given up, not given in Cause together we are not one We are nothing, we're holding on and on Together now, forever then Go ahead, don't you let me in But I will wait, I won't Wait till the day you're back again Let me go You know I'm not one for leaving Let me go Brings us to the final track, Running If You Call My Name. Another strong one, too. Yeah. Great great finishing track for an album. Great finishing track, and it kind of reminded me uh, a little bit of, like, Whiskey Town. Sure. Well, Ryan Adams? 16 Days, yeah, yeah early okay. Ryan Adams on the vocals, so I thought... Uh, there are shades of, like, a Ryan Adams-ness to this band, I think. Yeah. Especially in yeah. the songwriting. Yes, definitely. Again, strong track to close out the album. 11 tracks in total. We'll check out a little bit of it on the end of this segment. As we play out, maybe? As we play out, I'll mix in a little bit of uh, Run If You Call My Name. But all together, really strong, I think, album from Heim. Good collection of songs, good songwriting, good vocals. Play it by a pool, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm whipping it out by the pool, but I bet you I'm probably going to hear it at my pool. At yeah, especially point. if you're hanging out with me, boss, I'm telling you. Right and now. then I'll have a point of reference. I'll say, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. I'll impress the kids. Yep. You can impress, uh, you know, all, all your kids' friends because That's right. you know all Heim the teenagers. Is, you know all about Heim. 
They're friends I'll with Taylor I'll be telling Taylor them, like, Swift. I know Heim, I know Lord, I know all these bands. They're friends with Taylor Swift. They're yeah. friends with Lord. I know I mean, Heim. T-Swift? I T-Swift. I'm the cool dad. That's you, Brian. So, yeah. So, you got you to, gotta, I think you should probably own it. I'm playing that stuff all summer. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be rocking it out by the pool this summer, but uh, I, I appreciate it. I thought it was a decent album. I thought their songwriting was really strong. I thought uh, the musicianship definitely showed. Uh, even with some synth drums and the, the kind of poppy aspect, it was it was like decent pop, in my opinion, because they have some talent. Yeah, and it's like they almost transcend modern pop, right? Like, I mean, that might elevate it a little too much, but... They don't. They don't kind of get down in the weeds of like what pop music. I mean, I think. I think when you hear pop music, you think about music where artists are using crutches to make something popular. You know, yeah. and it doesn't mean it's like good. But these these girls, this band, they they transcend that because it's good. at the end of the day, you can break it down. It's good quality music. It just falls into the pop category. Good stuff. I, I would say they're the best uh, sibling pop band since Hanson. Brian, <laughs> I don't even know if you're trying to patronize me with that. But, uh, they both start with an H. Mbop, and there's man. three, hey, three siblings there I'm not playing say, the different instruments. I'm not saying I own that record. I, they're back better. In the day. They're better than Hanson. I'll I'm say not that. saying I own Hanson's record back in the day, but I, I might have owned that record. <laughs> All right. So that, on that note, it's probably time for, for me to jump off a bridge and us take it away. That's right. So that wraps up the first uh, album reviewed, and we'll be back in a moment with Faith No More's Angel Dust. Stay tuned for more Album Swap. And we are back. Back. Time to talk about a band that you are quite fond of. Huge um, fan. Faith No More. So this is their uh, fourth studio album. Came out in 1992 called Angel Dust. Same same name as the uh, famous uh, drug. So yes. there's that element. There's that. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get into the kind of naming thing a little bit later, but yeah. So this is Four Studio album, 1992. This was at a point where the band had uh, just added a new lead singer named Mike Patton. Uh, Mike Patton was on the album before their third one, uh, which was uh, like really, a really big hit, right? The real thing. Huge hit. Yeah. Huge hit. 1989. Uh, the real thing. He he sang on it, or, or he was the, like the lead vocals on it, but he he had no real. Like creative impact because by the time he was added to the band and they were recording, 
everything was pretty much done. Like, he was just added as as the vocals. So they didn't need him to add anything to it, really, other, yeah, other than yeah. just his vocals. So, yeah, Faith No More had this other guy, Chuck Mosley, who I, I'm not a fan of. There's in the weird annals of uh, Faith No More fandom, <laughs> there's certain people that love this guy. Anyway, he um, he had done their their first kind of big hit, which was We Care A Lot. 80s MTV kind of sound. They had a video for it. But anyway, they got rid of him. They were, they found Mike Patton. He came up there, but he had just sang vocals on it. And he actually, the vocals on like The Real Thing, and I love The Real Thing. It's a fantastic album. But they're a little bit nasally and stuff like that. So uh, he came in and did a fantastic job. The songwriting was strong. So this album is the follow-up to this this big hit. So this is, you know, tr- really kind of the sophomore effort of what Faith No More was. Right, yeah. The Mike Patton era. Yeah, I mean, from the little I know of Faith No More, I, I know of them from when Mike Patton joined and then yeah, after, yeah. right? Angel Dust was the first album where Mike Patton had a real in- influence on what they were doing. Um, and I think, I think it was the keyboardist Roddy Bottom uh, who said that this album was... Kind of the first time where they they took what they had been doing, everything was on the slate, and they wiped it clean, right? Like what Faith yeah. No More was before Angel Dust, they they took an eraser and they wiped the slate clean and they started anew. So this album had a lot of kind of experimental aspects to it that a lot of the band loved, like uh, like the keyboardist, like Mike Patton. Some of them didn't like it. So Jim Martin, who was the guitarist. Uh, this was the last album that he would play with Faith No More on, and he, it was, but really because of the musical direction of this album, it drove him away. Like he didn't, yeah. he didn't like what they were doing. I think he called it some, some like disco at some point. Um, he hated the name, thought it was so stupid. He said in some interview that if you know if it's called Angel Dust, you know, don't look at me because I didn't do it. So, it, it so it drove him away. Which which you know, I guess you could probably give more information on this, but I mean, I assume that was probably a big. He was a big part of the band. He was definitely a big part of the band. And, you know, The Real Thing's got a lot more um, kind of shredding guitar than this album does. And, in fact, they, they've done a cover every album. The, the cover on The Real Thing is uh, Black Sabbath's War Pigs. Right. And he tears it up. This band is really good at covers, man. <clears throat> oh, fantastic covers, yeah. Martin, yeah, he, he and Patton really didn't see eye to eye. There's, I've found shows where he, Patton's pissing off Jim and saying stuff to him during the song and like changing the song after they started and stuff like that. So there was, there was definitely uh, a lot different sound here because I think Mike was an influence. And I think because the other guys were kind of willing to be a little bit more experimental. I think like Roddy and Billy, the bass player, you know, they're like, yeah, okay, this guy's kind of taking us to a new level and saw it. And, and Jim didn't really. You know, Jim Martin, you know, the interesting backstory on him is that, you know, he was like best friends with Cliff Burton, the bass player of Metallica. So, you know, he was definitely that metal influence for the band. Very cool. Yeah. And bassist Billy Gold, uh, yeah, he drove a lot of that. Yeah. And you can tell, you can really tell that they were uh, playing around with some things on this album. And, yeah. Definitely. And, and, you know, when you have guys that want to do it, you're going to go that direction. When you have guys that don't, you're going to go that direction. So, uh, so album, sorry, sorry, Angel Dust became the album. Uh, one of one of the big reasons why they called it that was because they felt like they were making like magic, like they yeah. felt like they felt like this was all like like angelic and it was magical. So they wanted to call it Angel Dust because at this at the same time though it was magical, it was also like mean and nasty and like dirty. Yeah. So they wanted that kind of. Uh, like, ju- was it the juxtaposition? Like, the yeah. complete just opposite of, like, this beautiful, like, we're going to call it angel dust because it's beautiful and magical, but it's also this terrible drug. 
and that's also that that idea is also reflected on the album art because yeah. the front of it is like a what a stork or like, it's a, like a white swan a white or, swan is yeah. this beautiful elegant white bird with a blue background it's beautiful yeah, it's gorgeous and then on the back of it it's like a dead cow on a meat hook yeah right it's, it, it's absolutely disgusting just brutal it's awesome yeah yeah it, it is uh, and I remember that buying the because I bought this like the minute it came out. This is another one that I, I love the previous album so much that, that the minute this came out, I bought it and listened to it. And I have to admit, it was like Brutal, so weird man. seeing that. Like, and, and the name, yeah. I mean, immediately, you know, like the first, you know, when you saw the title Angel Dust, it's like, wow, they named it after a drug. Interesting. Uh, right. <laughs> there's a white swan. And then as you flip it over to the back, there's this cow head hanging and all the, the song titles and such. Uh, and the song titles, as we'll get into, are very unique and different. They've got a couple unique ones, yeah, Brian. Yeah. We're, we're, and that's patent. We might lose our G rating for some of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explicit ones. And But see, that's Mike Patton. And that and I think that is his influence. And that's kind of why it was kind of groundbreaking was uh, he really did kind of push him to a, a new level. Yeah, and, and I mean, we can say that now. We'll get through the rest of these notes. But this album, you know, it came out in 92. But this really laid the groundwork. I was telling you. This reminds me of a lot of the stuff that I listened to when I was growing up in more like the later 90s, early 2000s. Like this really laid the groundwork for a lot of that music. There was a big dispute between Mike Patton and Anthony Kiedis of the the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, You know, they said that Faith No More was like still in their sound or something. Yeah, Kiedis felt that they were a imitation of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And there's similar elements, but you got two bands coming from the same time out of California. Just give me a break. All the rest of the members of the Peppers, uh, Flea specifically, have said that they love Faith No More. They love the guys. Faith No More seems like they're friends with a lot of people. You know what I mean? Similar sounds, but it still trips me out that Anthony Kiedis, even when he was famous, wouldn't let that go. <laughs> well, the other thing you got to remember, though, is like uh, Mike Patton, and he came out. I can't remember if he did it with Mr. Bungle. I think he did it with Mr. Bungle. Mr. Bungle was like his high school band that yeah, he his high school band that he occasionally right? plays. And he plays in. Uh, if you don't know who Mike Patton is, he's played in like a million bands. Uh, he's got a new one actually launching. He's a musician's right musician, really. Yeah, he's he's written operas in Italian, Portuguese, all this stuff. He's he's, he's really talented. Anyway, he um, I think it was with Mr. Bungle. They come out and they played a Chili Pepper set and dressed up like them. Played an and entire that, set, yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. really pissed off uh, Anthony. <laughs> well, so 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 we'll tie that story up with this little tidbit. It was I think kind of recent, not like within the last year, but sometime within the last few years. Peppers played. A Faith No More song, but yeah. it was from the Chuck Mosley era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sticking it to him. Yeah. So yeah, so there's that rivalry. There's so a feud. Faith No More is is a band that you might not have heard of, but they're out there, and anybody from that era definitely knows who they are because they they touched a lot of different parts of of the uh, well. The I think era. The the other thing about them as a band is that so for I think for a lot of people they're a one hit wonder because of Epic off of the real thing was like their big top ten hit, huge hit was the early rock rap uh, you know fusion and you know unfortunately you know some of the bands they spawned were like Limp Bizkit and crap like that but I'd say Korn and Linkin Park and some of those bands definitely were influenced so we'll start hopping down into the music now so a couple things this so this we were saying earlier they do a really good job at covers they slip a couple ones in here but their sound is so uh, contrasting kind of like it's 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 hard rock. It's hard '90s rock. Like again, I hear a lot of the same elements in the music that I grew up on, but it like it really like tips its toes into like metal 
So it's like heavy. It's but it's like heavy rock getting pretty close to metal. But you know, there's a lot of keys in it, so it's not like your traditional metal. But a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the rhythms that they use, both in the drums and the guitar, and the way that they change up timing, um, is very metal-like. So it's very hard rock. Uh, it has a lot of metal. The one thing I love about this album, um, and there's been uh, past episodes that albums did this, but they'll sprinkle in these random songs that just <laughs> don't even seem like they fit. But it's some kind. Of, sometimes it's a nice kind of change of pace, especially when you're dealing with this like aggressive rock and roll, right? Mm-hmm. So some of the some of the ways people were summing up this band and this album specifically was that it was art damaged death metal. <laughs> art damaged death metal. Some <laughs> that's, awesome. that's very accurate. That's awesome. Another one was <clears throat> nerve frazzling apocalyptic rock. Yes. Both of those, like that's that's exactly what this is. <laughs> so this album was album of the year by seven different publications in four different countries. It went gold in Australia, platinum in platinum in Europe, and this was the best selling album uh, they ever had outside of America. So this band is is uh, I know Haim is the is, is is more I don't know if it's they're more popular outside of America. They're very popular in America, but they're yeah. super popular outside of America. Uh, Faith No More, their fame resides outside of America. Yeah, they're they're much bigger in the rest of the world than they are in the U.S., which is a crying shame. You know, blame the, the whole one-hit wonder status that I think MTV and you know those networks kind of tagged them with. Yeah, and 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 the era that they came out. I mean, they supported this album by going into Europe and touring with Soundgarden and then Guns N' Roses. Yeah. So like during the era where they were coming up. You're battling those bands that are perfect for MTV and that have these really catchy radio-friendly songs frequently, and it's it's almost impossible for a band like Faith No More and reaching back to a previous episode, Cry of Love, to actually get a yeah. hold on a radio or with a larger fan base outside of your region. That tour specifically, I mean, at that time, Guns N' Roses was the biggest band in the world. I think they did open up for the U.S. dates, but. Even that tour in the U.S., I don't think it was big as it was probably in Europe. Like, they probably played just as many dates in Europe. And, you know, for the size of our country, they should play about a third more dates playing in the U.S. Right. Um, I think it mostly played in the large cities. It didn't really play in, you know, North Carolina and stuff like that. You'd have to go to Atlanta or D.C. or something like that to see them, uh, which was a shame. Like, I remember I didn't get to see them open up. I'd seen the Real Thing tour. And then, actually, I saw this tour. They were headlining. They'd finished the Guns N' Roses tour. They had helmet open up for them. It was fantastic. Uh, I didn't buy a tour shirt. I actually bought a pair of black uh, shorts that are not long shorts because it was still 92, so shorts are still a little bit shorter, but it's got the Faith No More logo on it. Oh, man. Yeah. Nice. You should break them out. Summertime. I break man. them out every now and then, uh, you know, maybe to, like, sleep in and stuff like that. Maybe there. you can break them out since it's the summer. When you're at the pool playing Heim, days are gone. <laughs> no, no big deal. So just planned your summer for you. Um, all right. So on that note, let's uh, hop, into, hop into some of these tracks. Let's dig in. We're going to start off. It's uh, first track, opening track. It's called Land of Sunshine. Great start. Killer bass. Um, it's a dark song, but it's a fun dark song. Like It almost has a movie feel to it, like a movie score. Mm. Um, it's clearly hard rock. It has opera-like vocals kind of. The rhythm of the song is dope, and it reminds me a little bit of Primus. Mm-hmm. So Primus and Ween. Primus and Ween are two of the bands that... that uh, I, it's not so much that they sound like them. They do have that, but I, but I get the same kind of feels 
that I get when yeah. I listen to Prime and Ween. I, I get that when I listen to I mean, definitely Primus because they're also San Francisco-based. Primus, yeah. We're influenced by, I think, Faithing More a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure they were. So, yeah, so let's play a little bit of uh, First Track, Land of Sunshine. Yeah, so fun, like Roddy kills the keys. It it just yeah. adds for like that fun, almost cinematic effect. You know what I mean? That and, and Mike's vocals where he's doing the here's how to order and the laughing in the background. I agree. That, that kind of reminds me of Primus a little bit. Yeah, yeah it yeah. does. It's got the quirkiness of Primus. His voice, I feel like he's standing on like a rock on top of a mountain with a exactly. fist with a fist made and he's pumping the hell out that's of it. Awesome. Like, that's awesome. The whole time. That's perfect description, <laughs> I think, of the... He does. Like uh, on some of their subsequent albums, he's got these songs like Just a Man and I have, that's exactly what I'm doing when I hear it. He's got a chorus behind him actually and you're just like your your air bike yeah, padding. He's just belting it out, and he's got a lot of emotion. I think uh, his songwriting is strong, and I think that's where he he also not just the vocals and the the kind of elements he brought as a, a contributor to the songwriting on this album, but the um, the vocals and the song and the uh, the lyrics are really cool, and he, and he punctuates. Yeah, no, he 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 definitely adds a lot. Especially, yeah, like you said, the way he just kind of accents everything adds a lot of emotion to it. Huge, huge addition. So, yeah, so jump down track number two, caffeine, uh, like the thing you the find drug. in coffee and stuff. <laughs> um, so this song, like caffeine, has a punch, like, right at the start. Like, the start of the song punches you in the face. Very hard rock. You can kind of feel like there's some metal elements to this. Oh, yeah. Um, if you mm-hmm. like, like... The guitars and the rhythm of like hard rock and metal, then this song really kind of sets up the album. Like the first one had some of those elements, this one really sets up that feeling. You know what I mean? That kind of permeates the entire album. Then there's also like this slowdown, like right before the chorus too, that yeah. is just straight filth. Yeah. So the bass just leading up to rotten. The screams that he does. So for so for a lot of people, you play this and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is awful. The story behind it was that Patton stayed up for like three or four days. He like sleep deprived himself for a period of time, drinking a ton of caffeine to kind of get this like emotion and, and song the way he wanted it. And it definitely shows. I mean, the this is where we first also hear Patton just like really just like unleashing vocally, um, screaming and stuff. And live, he pulls it off. It's it's sick, you know, how how uh, having this, this eight octave voice that can do opera and then he's just like screaming his guts out into the microphone, but it's perfect. Absolutely <laughs> kills it. So yeah, track two, Caffeine.
love the dogs at the beginning. The dogs at the beginning. I have to tell you the funny story is um, I live near a kennel now. And every now and again, uh, they'll let them out early in the morning, like Saturday morning I'm sleeping in. And I hear them kind of barking. In the back of my mind. You're thinking it, you're listening caffeine, to caffeine. I'm like, I'm there expecting the guitar to kick in. You wish you were about to hear Mike Patton. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's track two, Caffeine. Again, killer song. Mike Patton really kind of announces himself on that. Yeah. Um, next song, track three, Midlife Crisis. Love the drums at the start of this. Killer, killer rhythms. It has a very hard rock 90s, but like a 90s hard rock feel to it. Um, it has that higher, real singy voice. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he's real singing in a little bit. Um, and the chorus, just dig it. Just it's dig awesome. it. Yeah. So, so this, this, and this was the single. And uh, they have a video for this. They had a couple singles off of it. This was uh, yeah, the first but this one, was yeah. the first single. Gotcha. And this was the um, the first video from it. And it was kind of cool. It was shot very kind of um, herky-jerky in a way and had these horses. It almost looked like somebody was being drawn and quartered. Uh, so kind of that edginess to it. Sure. And a, a theme of the album. Patton, I think, on this one, a lot of times live, it's cool. He'll have the audience sing it. Uh, and that's where you can see like the really hardcore fans just up front just screaming it out you know i'm usually a lot of fist pumping man a lot of fist pumping a lot of fist pumping Um, but yeah it's it's one of i think their best songs yeah big fan of it midlife crisis track three let's do it snarl to that oh, yeah. one i'm snarling still it's a very mean snarling song holding the snarl without me you're only you i'm holding the snarl i mean it's 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 awesome it's one of my uh it's definitely one of my favorite songs by them and even the keyboards too that roddy does that has that kind of like laser sound to sure. it. sure yeah yeah midlife crisis first single from the album track three loved it next track track four called RV, just the two letters. RV. Recreational Vehicle, yep. I think is what it normally stands for. Yep. So this was one that we I was kind of talking about earlier, how they'll break from that aggressive hard rock sound. This is kind of the break from that. This song really reminds me a lot of like Primus and Ween, because it kind of has a little yeah. tongue-in-cheek to it. Uh, it really kicks in at the end. Yeah. love it when it kicks in at the end. The vocals just trip me out, like especially in the chorus. Yeah. Trip me out, trip me out. Uh, and the guitar play is just super cool, super cool. So we'll listen to a little bit of that. Track number four, RV. Mm-hmm. 
So the end, gonna have to encourage you to listen to the end of the song. It's a really dope one. But the vocals, I was I was telling you while we were listening to that one, that reminds me a lot of like something Les Claypool would do. Yeah, I agree. I never thought of it like that, but I agree. It's got uh, a little bit of that oddness to it that yeah. Les has. And, um, but but even down, like not even to what he's saying, because the lyrics are super odd, yeah. but like the sound and the way his voice sounds yeah. with the music, it just like, I'm all my brain is just going primus, primus, primus. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, and it starts out slow. Sure. Yep. With this kind of almost parlor music, which Les does a lot a of lot, times. Yep. And then it gets heavy, which Primus can do. They, but, you they, know, they, they can do that, yeah. Again, both San Francisco-based bands, you know. Hey, San Fran. Where's that? All right, so we'll go to the next track. Um, it's called Smaller and Smaller. Um, unlike Honey and I on Himes' album, they didn't use the ampersand. They actually no. spelled out and That's right. on this one. So, Smaller and Smaller. So, whereas they kind of took the break from the hard... Uh, hard rock and roll, they go back to that with this. Quickly. Quickly back to it. So hard, <laughs> driving riffs, driving rhythms, uh, very 90s rock. Reminds yeah. me of like Metallica from the 90s. Mm-hmm. The vocals, he really screams on this one. This is like, yes. he might have dabbled at the screams on the first couple tracks. He screams on this one. And I freaking love it. it is. So that's right. So when he starts screaming, that takes me back to when I was like in middle school and high school. And that was like the stuff I was start, starting to get into when it comes to like the 90s rock. When they started, when I started listening to stuff where they screamed, it was like, "Oh man, now we are talking!" Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I really dug that, and and the way he does it takes me right back to like eighth, ninth, tenth grade. Maybe remind you a little bit of like Nirvana. A little bit, but, but much stronger. I'm not going to say that, but like the vocals. <laughs> I mean, on the screaming, the Kurt Cobain yeah. would scream, but yeah, but not. He like had a little that. more of a shrill voice. Yeah, and he had more like yeah. a, I'm dying scream, yeah. whereas this is more like a, I'm going for like. Mike Patton's scream could wipe out musical small, city effect. blocks if, if you yeah, amplify it Yeah, he's using enough. it for musical effect. Yeah. Kirk Cobain was like maybe dying on the other oh, side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Patton, Patton, and I have to say again, Patton Live, the screaming is uh, absolutely amazing. I can imagine, I can imagine. It's amazing. Um, this song also really builds up really well, yeah. um, and it has an incredible, just straight dirty like drum breakdown. It's almost like Native American-like. It is super cool. So...
So I think that the, he does have the uh, recording of the Native American in that too, towards the end. But I agree, it gets so heavy um, and builds up, and then kind of gets mellow, love and then the gets heavy up. again. Love the build up. Yeah, and that song reminds me a lot of like that was like the kind of uh, rock and roll, or not rock and roll, but that was kind of like the hard rock that I remember growing up on, like the late nineties. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it sounded just like that. That just dun, 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 and just yeah. I mean, yeah, it. It not really. I don't know if complex or simple is the right like terminology, but you know what it is. It's straight at you, and it's it's it kind of grabs you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a great song. So it's smaller and smaller. We'll move down to the next one. Uh, next song is called "Everything's Ruined." Uh, this was one of the singles. There were five singles from this. Yeah. Land of Sunshine opening track was one. Yeah. Midlife Crisis, which we've already talked about, was one. And "Everything's Ruined" is another one. So this song, love the, like, I mean, I'm saying piano. I know it's keys. Like, he's yeah. probably playing a piano on it. Um, the bass is filthy on it. There's this, like, really dirty drop into the song where yeah. it just, like, kicks in. Like, just fucking, or, or freaking pops you, you know? You know it what does. I mean? There's a lot of attitude in this song. Like, real dirty groove, very 90s rock. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is this just a disgusting this is, song. This is pure faith no more at their best. This is another one of my favorite tracks. And it, it almost makes sense that this pure Faith No More song is titled Everything's Ruined. Oh, well, yeah, it's, just, <laughs> and it's this whole story of, like, ruining this kid and, like, a penny won't do. And, again, it's uh, – I totally encourage you to read their lyrics because it's brilliant. And Patton on this, I think, again, shines. Yeah, Billy on bass. And like I was saying earlier, we haven't even talked about Puffy on drums. So Mike Borden. Yeah, the drummer's name is Mike Puffy Borden. Mike Puffy Puffy Borden. before Sean Puffy Combs came okay, around. Okay, the original okay, Puffy. Puffy. Okay. Anyway, he's a fantastic drummer. He played for Ozzy for a number of years and a bunch of other bands. But, you know, he's also that driving force. I mean, he plays the crap out of the drums. He does. Um, definitely. A lot of strong moments on this track. Yeah, album. strong moments. So, yeah, this, this is definitely one of those songs that uh, I think they pretty much play every time live and and i think otherwise the fans would like go crazy because it's one of their biggest it's one of their best songs well let's listen to a little bit of it everything's ruined
and the drums there are disgusting. Like, disgusting, yeah. but very uh, classic 90s hard rock. Drums. Yeah, driving. A lot of Tom usage. You know? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Tom Toms, sorry. That's, that's for the, a, for the lay, lay person. Toms is a, it's a solid drum. Oh, yeah. It's not the snare drum, it's one of the toms that you play. Yep. So a lot of tom usage on that one. Fun fact. Fun fact. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, just a great song. Everything's Ruined. Uh, cool video with it, too. The, yeah, the video's, it's it's kind of cool and a bit quirky. Dressed, dressed in, like, like Russian soldiers? Yeah, I think Billy's dressed in, like, they did this promo shot. And this was way before Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is 92, man. Yeah, this way was, like, actually when... The Russian thing is what I was getting. Well, this actually was, you know, from uh, yeah, from a Russian standpoint, it was kind of the end of the Cold War. Um, and I think they kind of did that as a bit of a joke. Like, let's go... They did a promo shot where they photoshopped their faces on these, like, five Russian soldier, soldiers, and that was, like, an EP cover. Let's hop down. Track number seven. A fun little song called Malpractice. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we were just talking about... Uh, Mike Puffy Borden because the drums on this are just mean, like mean, snarling mean. Uh, has a real mean breakdown in this mm -hmm. song as well. It's a dark song. It's kind of Sabbath-like. I'm not saying that it's exactly like Sabbath, but this is one where I get some like Sabbath tones, I guess. You know, it feels a little bit like Sabbath. Um, it really, this song really kind of treads the line between hard rock and metal, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it gets pretty daggone close there. And this is another one where Mike Patton screams, just echo in my soul. Yeah, the, the song's about a lady that had bad cosmetic surgery. And it's coming back at the surgeon. And, and you can definitely feel the angst with, again, Patton just going off the hook. He's a screamer. All right, track seven, Malpractice. the breakdown kind of like uh rhythm time change there is yeah. really nasty yeah um, sick yeah and I, I was telling you like that that is the kind of stuff that i remember hearing as a kid not from necessarily from faith no more i don't even remember the bands but that was the kind of stuff that always drew me because of that that change as a drummer anytime yeah. the rhythm will change like yeah. that and and that harder rock that metal uh those are that's the genre that does it that really oh, does yeah. it well i mean it's almost mechanical the way they do it. it is really dope um, and that's and it's done really well in that last track. And the, and the beauty of like their their metal sound is they don't stay metal the whole time, right? You know they kind of break out. They'll they'll do slow. Oh wait, wait till we get to how they close this out. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 subsequent albums they got even more mellower. And I mean that's again, like we talked about earlier, Jim Martin leaving the band. 
and Patton probably, I think, really gelling with the rest of the members. They actually brought one, one of the Mr. Bungle guys in afterwards, and then actually uh, they got another guy that came in and, and plays with them now. And, and he kills it, but it's not about the guitar dominating their sound. You know, it's about all five guys really coming together and just crushing it. Well, they got a lot. They got really experimental and soft when they added Phil Collins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Boom. <laughs> Write it down. Made you laugh. All right. Track number eight. <laughs> track number eight. We'll get down to it's called Kindergarten, like the first grade you go to in school. So the guitar there, like at the beginning, that like really high pitched note it hits. Oh yeah, love that, love that, it's, love that. That reminds me very much of like '90s hard rock. Like oh, that, yeah. that one little note that the way that guitar kind of hits it. Ugh, love it, love it. It's sick. I mean, the guitar on that, and that's where you know Jim. I think did have a great metal sound that he could bring in. It's um, that high pitched scream on the guitar, man. Puffy on drums. The rest of the guys just kind of keep it going. Uh, Patton again kind of has this is one where he shows his vocal range kills it he uh, screams very well in this one yeah yeah really kills that now I, I will also say the chorus like if you're looking for like a sample of what does 90s hard rock sound like <laughs> the chorus of this song is the epitome yeah. the epitome of 90s hard rock <laughs> like that's I mean that is what the, that is 90s hard rock sound boom chorus on uh, the last track track number 8 kindergarten so we'll hop down track number 9 be aggressive, which be it, aggressive. Be be aggressive, <laughs> which you know. I, so I played a little bit of high school basketball. No big deal. Didn't play a lot of minutes, so I sat on the bench a lot. And like one naturally would do, you may check take a look at the cheerleaders. A very common cheer that they did was be aggressive. Yeah. Be be aggressive. I thought it was funny that in this track they sample cheerleaders doing yeah. that. Yeah, they got. I think they brought cheerleaders in. Oh, they brought them in and did. Okay, or they cool. brought in backup singers. But yeah, they they have the cheerleaders doing the be aggressive chant. Uh, this song definitely. Uh, I have to admit, the first time I heard it, it was very interesting. It was different. You know, has a bit of homosexual overtones, and you know the 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 uh, keyboard player Roddy is. You know, he was actually out, so you know you knew that about them. There wasn't. You know, this was still at a time where like you know Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Had not come out, right? You know, because there was like a lot of like, oh, we can't have like you know rock heroes be gay. That's against everything, right? But early um, early nineties, early nineties. Yeah, at this time, you know, this and, and I'd say Roddy was kind of ahead of it. You know, it's like you know he and plus being I think from San Francisco, like 
definitely from a way more liberal part of America than had he come from, say, Tennessee or something. A little more of an accepting yeah. uh, environment that he came from. Um, yeah. I'd, so, I'd say it a little bit. So this, I think, this song, I think, is a lot of fun. But yeah, it's definitely, uh, it definitely, I definitely, I think it was a bit shocking, even in 92. Like, I wouldn't have played it for people outside of maybe your buds. And sure. Fans. I wouldn't have played it in a, uh, in a mixed gender. There's a so. lot, lot <laughs> yeah, right. There's a lot of attitude in this. Um, has a killer, killer start to the song with a buildup and another drop that's just like yeah. pretty bananas. Sick. So The uh, organs. Love the organs. The love organs, the organs. Are awesome. Remember, just remember, Brian, be aggressive. BB. Aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> Super dope, and again, kind of that cinematic feel, right? You almost feel like you're uh, like watching a movie or a play or something. Like yes. the way Roddy kind of comes in with that is super. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it really, is, really is awesome. So, just such a cool song. The lyrics, I would uh, encourage you or encourage you listeners to go read them because we cannot read them aloud. They're uh, they're for a little uh, risque. So I, yeah, I think I, is I uh, think this song... that's the term they use. <laughs> this song, I mean, what what's really about? I think is. Um, Someone who's a bit submissive and is trying to be aggressive in, in a relationship, to put it in the most clean way. That was as <laughs> as clean of a way as you could put it, man. Yeah. Well, well, well done there, Brian. But let's let us not forget this did have a parental advisory sticker on the song. It did. So you got to be like what, 12, 13 to get? Yeah, you had to be something like that. So, no, you had to be like I don't know, sixteen or eighteen. Though. Sixteen, eighteen, or have like, a parent. In the early have 90s, a parent who didn't care, didn't look. That's at right. The you had to have a sign note. That's the big thing. Yeah, right <laughs> from yeah from your parent. Um, all right, so be aggressive. Great track. Um, that's I've got to include that on the playlist because that's one of my oh, favorite, yes. one of my favorite tracks. Next track, a small victory. This was another one of the singles off the album. This is another kind of a cool break from the aggressiveness of just the album overall. Um, it's like a fun, enjoyable, kind of uplifting chord progression. So the way this song goes, it just kind of has this funness to it. So just kind of think that when we listen to it.
Yeah, so you mentioned during while we were listening that it has like a Japanese or like Asian feel to it. It 1,000% does. Oh, yeah. That First was, time I thought, that's fr- I thought like it sounded, it just, just reminded me of like... Uh, that's the chord progression. It's like that. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's from like that region. And man, that and even the yeah, the way he kind of sings at first. Um, absolutely, he's like sings with the notes. Yeah, yeah. It ends great. Beautiful guitar. A great yeah. ending to the song. Again, a fun kind of like enjoyable, uplifting song out of this just aggressive. I just got punched in the face three times. Album. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, you know what you can't do with this album. You're not just gonna throw this on at a party. It's got to be a it's, certain kind of party. It's got to be a certain. It's you're not. Be, you're yeah. not going to put this on at the pool in your jorts. <laughs> in my jorts. Yeah. No. You're going to throw. Well, high they're not days jorts. Days. They're black. They're metal. Days are gone. They're, they're metal '90s shorts. Yeah. 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 Okay, Bob. Bob, we're over here. Um, next track we'll hop down to track number eleven. It's called. Uh, it's called Crack Hitler. Yes. Crack Hitler. Yes. Just want to make sure. Want to make sure everybody heard that right. It's called Crack Hitler. So we'll listen to a little bit of this. We'll say the guitar at the beginning sounds kind of like Jimmy Page, a little yeah. Led Zeppelin-like. The drums and the siren, there's a siren yes. in it maybe. It gives this like dark, almost smoky feel, mm-hmm. like there's a fog laying over the dark field or something. You're down on the wharf. Yeah, very chased. much so. The, the, <laughs> the keys, like uh, uh, Roddy just straight kills this. Yeah. Very... So it's almost the keys have almost like a '90s R&B feel. Yes, like yeah, yeah like it's it kind of. So that's one of the crazy things with Faith and More is the the keys when he doesn't go for like the straight organ rock opera sound. It almost like it almost cuts that aggressive hard rockness with like this like bouncy smooth R&B sound. Yeah, totally. Like it really is a is a is a real neat mix that they that they have. And and again at the two minute mark. Has this mean, mean, mean breakdown that yeah. is uh, worth checking out. So it's sick. It's sick, man. <laughs> it's sick, bro. So we'll listen to a little bit of Crack Hitler, bro. Singing through like a megaphone too, right? Yeah, he, he sings through a megaphone usually live, and, uh, and then switches mics on one of the uh, bands. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Peeping Tom. 
uh, one of his many side projects, he actually uh, performed with a soundboard and just four mics and would just switch it all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Love that. Ingenuity. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Very experimental. Very but. experimental. And that, that's a fun track. Love it. It has a very cool sound to it. Again, listen to the keys. 90s R&B. Trips me yeah, out. Yeah, totally. Really I never even out. thought of that. If you really like isolate the two, it really yeah. trips you out. Next track is, this is episode 10, <laughs> probably the most outrageous slash greatest track name we've had. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Uh <laughs> The track is called Jizz Lobber. I'll spell it for you. J-I-Z-Z-L-O-B-B-E-R. That's, you heard that right, that's Jizz Lobber. So Jizz Lobber, the track is actually really, really great. It's really great. It's a a really dope track. It's like a trippy metal song, almost. Mm -hmm. You know, like it has some kind of hallucinatory elements to it, but it's also like hard rock metal-like. Patton comes in with these, these gritty, strong vocals. Some snarling vocals on this yeah, one, bro. I'm, I'm snarling already. We haven't even hit play on the track yeah. yet. It's, it's, you know, it's the beauty of this album is that this is the last of the original tracks on it before they, they do some covers. Right, so the last the last couple of tracks in the album are covers, so this is the last original, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, he it does. It's like it, it, he's continued this kind of edgy, hard theme throughout it, kind of telling these different stories. Still snarling. I'm still snarling, man. <laughs> That's just a that is it's such a great track. I know it's not the last track on the album, but it's a great way for them to kind of wrap up the faith no more part of the album. The screams that Patton does on it are just fantastic. They be mean, man. Yeah. They be mean. Uh yeah, so again, Jizz Lobber. Uh we'll move down to the next <laughs> track. So the last two tracks are covers. So this is also um so I listened to the album on Spotify. You gave me the album, I listened to it on, on yeah. Spotify. So the the version they have on Spotify is not like the original that they released. Um, the track that we're about to listen to, which is the theme song from Midnight Cowboy, the movie, um, which uh, John Williams wrote it. Is that right? John Williams wrote John it. John Williams wrote it. It was uh, uh, the movie one, actually. Uh, best Picture, I best think. Best Picture. And I believe the song was nominated. I can't remember if it won or not. And they, so they did not originally do the song. They just liked the song. 
they like this song, and I think one of the interesting things about them, um, I got a chance to, to meet the bass player after the Real Thing show, and I remember the, one, the most interesting thing he told me. Billy Gould? Billy Gould, yeah. Um, he uh, told me how like he was, they were really into like Chardet. And this would have been like 89. Um, Sade is the band of the other singer, I guess. Yeah, and and this was right after like Smooth Operator, the first album. Right, <laughs> Smooth Operator. I could see yeah. that song. Fantastic, me. fantastic band and album, by the way. But nonetheless, it was just a bit shocking. But then again, I realized like he was probably like the first musician I met from from the West Coast in San Francisco. Um, most of the other people I'd met were were local guys, uh, and a lot of them were in like to metal and stuff like that. So. Uh, I was just interested, but th- th- that always stuck with me, especially on this album and then some of their subsequent albums. They've got some really jazzy songs uh, because those guys do kind of listen to all different types of stuff. They've definitely got a heavy side to them, but at the same time, they've got a really cool, smooth, jazzy. And I th- and the first time I was telling you earlier that <clears throat> when I first heard this, uh, I had not heard the song in a long time. Uh, it was one of those songs you kind of knew, but I didn't really know what it was. Uh, I didn't know John Williams had done it and all that, which, you know, again, love John Williams, everything he did. Um, but nonetheless, it's just, again, such a great rendition, and the guitar comes in at the end and just kind of wails a bit. And it was so much different from the previous album where the cover was Black Sabbath Warping. Sure. You know, so again, it showed this kind of almost 180, like, okay, this time we're going to cover this kind of mellow movie theme this, by one yeah, of the best American composers Cinematic ever. great song, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it was random, but super smooth, like an easy, easy, easy sounding song, you know, uh, just a wild finish for a hard rock album. Uh, it was beautiful. So yeah, we'll listen to a little bit of that Midnight Cowboy thing. And the the accordion is just awesome, bananas. Yeah. And right off the front, right off the beginning, like just really, really hits you. I, I, as much as an accordion can hit you, it hits you. This is the only song not to feature Mike. There you go. And uh, interesting note, fun fact: they actually did an instrumental on a previous album, but uh, it was their own composition. Interesting. So that's good. That's a good fun fact. Chew on that one. Chew on go. that. There you go. <laughs> so now we're gonna get down to the last track that I listened to on the version that I listened to. So this song is easy. So when I see this on the track listing, first time I listened to this album, I wasn't thinking anything other than it was a song called Easy. There's probably a lot of songs called Easy out there. You know what I mean? So I'm not really, you know, guessing what it is, but there is a part of me like, could this be Easy by Lionel Richie and the Commodores? 
or I'm sorry, just the Commodores. It was never Lionel Richie and the Commodores. That's is the Commodores. It's just the Commodores, but he was the lead singer. So, so I'm thinking, is there's no way, right? There's no way this is. Well, as the soon Commodores. as as soon as the song starts, not only is it the version made famous by the Commodores, they absolutely murder it. Like yes. it is done so well, like to the point where Lionel Richie would be pumped about it. Mike Patton. Sings it sings it beautifully. Yeah. I, I I told you this earlier when, the, when I was listening to the album. You know, it, this isn't a very it's a very aggressive hard rock album. It's got some fun kind of light moments to it, but it's still this is hard rock, right? Nineties hard rock at its finest is what this album is. So for then for for it to end with Easy, which was one of their singles and one of their more famous, it was songs, so it was a B side. Yeah, they played yeah, it a lot live, but it just it floored me. Uh, I I like legitimately started clapping, like start. I wrote in my notes, <laughs> started awesome. clapping because I was yeah. like, after this whole album of everything I just digested, to then finish with "Easy" by the Commodores, my, my mind, my head exploded. It's it slays you straight up bananas. Yeah, started clapping. Great cover. And this sums up the band, right? Like they they're they're so big on that juxtaposition of like hard, but also refined musically. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the kind of cool thing about. I remember when they released this as a single, um, or as a B side, I think on one of the uh, singles, and uh, it was so cool because you know we all knew this song growing up, um, and you know here they just kind of again whip it out, and then like I was telling you, they they've done like Burt Bacharach, they've done the Bee Gees. I started a joke. They do a cover of that. That's fantastic. Um, so that's one of the great things. And even uh, the last tour they did, they were breaking into like Hall Notes, Rich Girl. They were breaking into The Lion Sleeps Tonight. They do covers yeah. as well as any band. They yeah, really I, 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 in fact, I would love to see them do a whole tour of covers. I hate it when bands don't say don't do covers. That's so stupid. Yeah, there's, it's respect. Oh, give me a break. The blues was literally built off of covers. Exactly, yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's them showing respect for their influence. Oh, like by playing yeah. the covers, right? Yeah, by playing. The I was saying I don't like when bands <coughs> don't. No. Yeah. yeah. So we're saying the same thing. But anyways, yeah. let's listen to a little bit of "Easy," originally uh, made famous by Lionel Richie and uh, the band The Commodores. This time played by '90s hard rock band Faith No More. Sunday morning and just like that we have easily made our way through Angel Dust by Faith No More we're going to take a quick break and be back to uh, wrap it on up 
one on up i guess Con- conclude it is another way to put it close it out finish it up yeah all, all those uh all those terms why don't you go ahead and start you got heim give us a score give us a give us a hashtag so yeah so we'll score it one to ten. One to ten decimal points are welcome and then we'll hashtag it with whatever the the heck we want to so you go ahead and start it up all right so i had heim uh days, days are, are gone. gone days are gone <clears throat> current Big pop hit out there on the radio these days. And then there's their new album, Sophomore Efforts, coming out, I think, July 7th. So there you keep go. an eye out and an ear out. <laughs> so, uh, score, I gave it a solid eight. Just an even eight. I don't hate it. Now, and, and again, that's more my taste. Uh, if I was more of a pop fan, I would give it a higher rating. And so if I just rated it on, like, say, pop, I would probably give it even higher. So as far as but as far as me and my taste and where I put it, I put it about an eight. Uh, the the pod listeners can't see, but I'm rolling the hell out of my eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to be true to myself. You first. have to remove yourself and be I objective, to, Brian. I have to be true to myself first of, of how I grade it. But again, I think it's it's a solid album. The vo- the vocals, the sisters playing together so well. Uh, it's definitely. I, let me put it this way: a traditional pop album, I would give like a five or a six. Yeah. Play it, at, uh, play it at your pool this summer. Play it at the pool this summer. In your faith no more. 80s metal shorts. Jorts. Not jorts. Right. No, I'm sorry, 90s. 90s black metal shorts. Yeah. Anyway. Jeez Louise. I'll wear them next episode. We'll get a picture. Yeah, great. We'll get a picture. Uh, hashtag. Uh, I kind of battled around a few different ones, but I finally settled on Sisters Rock. Just because they, they do rock, and uh, they're sisters. So kind of kept it simple. Those are two two facts. Yeah. So I avoided anything else that uh, was more on the pop side. Okay. So, so I give them, I give them a nod that they're I think they're a little bit more rock than pop. They have they have a pop sound to them, but they've definitely got some strong rock elements in playing the bass and guitar and all that. Yeah. Play all their stuff. So pop rock a little bit in there. So 8.0. What was the hashtag again? Sisters rock. Hashtag sisters rock. Okay. So I'll take it. I'll take the microphone now. Faith No More was the band. Angel Dust was the album. I'll just jump right into it. I gave it a score, and because this is like your favorite band, this is episode 10, this <laughs> score has a little nod to uh, to, to Brian McDonald oh here. Oh, my goodness. Score is 8.98. Oh, there you go. You like the extra extra decimal point there? I went to the hundredths <laughs> because you normally do that. So 8.98 is my score. The hashtag is hashtag I got the faith. Because before, I didn't really know if I was going to like these guys. I had listened to some of their stuff that you had sent, and it was kind of like, oh, man, it sounds like kind of like what I grew up on when I was growing up in the there 90s. And I didn't really love it 
I did. I mean, I liked it then. I didn't really love it anymore, and so I was like, oh, I don't really know if I'm gonna like Faith No More or this album. But because of the, I don't know, all the different things they hit you with with this album, from the crazy cover of Easy to the aggressiveness of the songs to Mike Patton's vocals to the the keys to the bass to to Puffy on the drums, it just I was more. It, it's I enjoy the album. I like the album, but I was more impressed with the album than I think I actually enjoyed it, and that's why I gave it the score I gave it. Yeah, yeah, I think. That and that's also why I gave it the hashtag I gave it because before I don't know if I really bought into him, but now Brian hashtag I got the faith. I love that hashtag. Boom! There you go. And I feel like I've just turned one more person onto the brilliance of Faith No Hey, Mike Patton, man, I, and, 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 and all of them, and all of them, but uh, yeah, uh, super, super impressed by the album, Faith No More, Angel Dust, check it out, um, also things you should check out is uh, Album Swap, check us out online, albumswap.net, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, um, at, at Album Swap, uh, we, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Stitcher, Stitcher TuneIn Radio, Stitcher and TuneIn iTunes, the Google Play. We're, subscribe. We're there where you're at. So yeah. Subscribe on iTunes. I want to say, Fred, I think it's been an interesting 10 episodes. I'm glad that we got to review uh, these two albums on this one because I thought it was a lot of diversity and difference. But uh, We're all about diversity and difference here at Album Swap. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other cool thing is kind of the whole purpose of what we're doing is to give people an insight into different music that they normally would not listen to. For sure. So. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that we sh- that we should kind of be like that group of your older siblings' friends that know more about music and bring stuff you never heard about, so that you can be introduced to something, but also introduced to a take that maybe you wouldn't yourself have. So, if you if you guys are still listening to us, episode ten, that means it's good. Hopefully, we got uh, another ten more in us. Maybe That's even right. more after that. Oh, we're going to hundred, baby. We're going to hundred, baby. There you go. Until we run out of albums to swap. Until we run out of albums to swap, and guess what? There are a lot of them out there. That's right. All right. So thank you for listening. Keep listening. You have been listening to Album Swap. Visit albumswap.net for all the latest episodes.